I'm spending time this morning with Jason Ball, the head of the Chamber of Commerce here in Lincoln. We're going to talk about a lot of things. And uh, Jason, first of all, Happy New Year. First opportunity I've had to welcome you to 2023. Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year to you. All right. Uh, I had a conversation with Tammy Ward following the city council meeting. Tammy and uh, Richard McGinnis, two of the council members who yeah. felt ostracized in the in the process, weren't involved in uh, a negotiation to to get the floodplain regulations uh, to a, a more negotiated point. Yeah. Uh, first opportunity I've had to bring you in because the chamber did come out with a statement. Would mm-hmm. you reposition that statement and then we'll go from there? Yeah. So the chamber's approach on this has always been that we need to comprehensively look at things like structures. We need to make sure that while we adjust to changing weather patterns and rainfall conditions, we don't do so in a way that jeopardizes future growth or slows down uh, things like the the rate at which we're able to build housing or passes on increased cost to housing, which we know we're struggling with as a community. And the chamber's statement, uh, you know, in brief uh, said that we're just we're disappointed that the council ended up uh, taking the action that they ultimately voted on on a four to two vote um, accepting many of these new regulations which we don't feel um, adequately provides protection for existing structures and we also feel will hinder the growth of the city in in future opportunities um, so this is going to be an ongoing conversation and we can we can talk more okay. about it for review for new construction mm-hmm. the regulations and there it gets pretty technical Pretty technical if we really get into the weeds, but basically is it's a foot higher for new construction built in a floodplain area. Yeah, and I'm a novice here too, so I'll, I want to recognize that. But as I understand, the correct way to say that is an additional foot over the existing one foot over freeboard is what they call it. So if you're okay. building up in a floodplain, you're basically functionally adding uh, two feet of fill um, across an entire development site. Um, over and above freeboard, uh, to, to use the engineering term. And so that's that all by itself is going to add cost. It's applied a little bit more widely than in, in previous. So it used to be, uh, you know, for a home, you just had to raise the home. And now it's the home and the yard and the driveway um, across the whole development. So it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be much more broadly applied. Again, there's some reasons for that. So I don't want to say that we somehow we don't think that we, we would need to raise structures. That is a very common practice. Um, an additional foot um, is is a bit of overkill in our opinion, and it is based on a study that was done on the uh, uh, Salt Creek, um, but it's applied in the same way across all drainage uh, areas in the city. And that's just a technical way to say we took a look at one major waterway drainage system, but we applied it to all of them. And and so the, the approach on that, we did not uh, agree with. The conclusions on some of those components, we didn't agree with. And then it gets into a whole bunch more esoteric stuff. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to open up um, property for development, previously, if it was going to be somewhere over 100 acres, I believe, um, you had to do channeling in it. Yeah, so for, for water to run off uh, through the development. That threshold was brought all the way down in the, the proposed regulations to 40 acres.
acres. And we said, look, let's do a compromise. Let's make it an 80-acre uh, minimum before you have to get into that. And that was that was overruled by the council. The council voted again on a 4-2, to two, I believe that was, um, to to not accept that compromise. And so we're, we're deeply disappointed in um, both the process that led to some regulations that we disagree with. We disagree with many of the, the regulations. I will say the one... Uh, silver lining on that cloud is that we were able to arrive at a um, an indication from the council that the council does want to direct the administration to evaluate what potential upstream flood mitigation structures could could look like and the nice thing about taking a look at what our upstream options are is those do remove property existing structures and future structures from existing floodplain concerns and we've seen that with antelope valley project now this would not have to look like antelope valley project they could be lower cost we're talking about you know small berms that create um over capacity flooding areas say in in open fields right as opposed to in neighborhoods Right. So um, we feel like those are some good directions to look in. This is going to be an ongoing conversation because of that. But there was some real uh, bipartisan frustration over the process that was expressed. And, and, and we agree there was it was a missed opportunity for the community to take a look at a complex issue and arrive at some real um, consensus uh, ways to proceed. And it's, it's such a, a, a dichotomy when you compare that to the Water 2.0 study, which we have found to be very forward-thinking, very robust analysis from a large group of many of the same uh, voices and people in the room. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a strange year for, for water policy in Lincoln. Let's stay with that subject. You, uh, there have been some updated recommendations, uh, a, a new recommendation coming out about Yeah, I think we've got some, some new recommendations. So for folks that don't know, the reason why we're calling it Water 2.0, and I don't know who coined this term, is we have been using the same well field uh, based off of groundwater uh, by the Platte River between Lincoln and Omaha all the way back since sometime in the 1930s. So this is a 100-plus year investment that city leaders made back then um, at significant cost. And it continues to fuel all of our water needs today. And as as we learned, I think, the hard way, that, that also creates some risk because we are fed from one source um, for our water needs. And it was in uh, 2017 or 19, I think, there was flooding out near the well fields. It threatened uh, the pumps at the well fields, which functionally would have shut down Lincoln's capacity to bring in clean, potable drinking water. And so... Um, I think at that time, people really started to look at the system. And then when you layer on top of that, what's Lincoln's projected growth in the future? Um, that water source, that pipe all by itself is not going to provide all the water Lincoln needs 25 years from now. So again, your your shower is going to continue to run next week, next month, we've next year. We've got time to work on this. But we know any of the solutions are going to be very expensive. Uh, one solution is to, to uh, get more water rights and drop more wells in the same existing location. And that would come with some significant cost. Um, but it would not reduce our um, risk if there's another flooding event in that area, for example. 
Um, likewise, some had proposed, well, let's connect to MUD with Omaha and we can just buy water from them. Well, that's deceptively uh, simple, too, because in addition to we would still have to invest in some degree of infrastructure, but we would also have to buy water. And it puts us, I think, at additional risk because the way those agreements are structured, MUD can't uh, blindly, in perpetuity, guarantee Lincoln access to water. So there's always uh, thresholds included in those agreements, one of which would allow MUD to get out of an agreement if they found it no longer to be in their favor. And the time frame on that is just way too short. You know, examine if, 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 for example, we might only have, say, six or nine months um, to f- when we find out, hey, we can't provide you water anymore, Lincoln. And then we've only got six to nine months to respond. That would not be enough time to ensure the safety of our water source. And so the the other uh, option that has come up is run a pipe all the way to the Missouri and sink a groundwater well near the Missouri River. So it would be fed and refreshed by water from the Missouri River. Now, that is a new set of infrastructure challenges. Uh, The price tag on that, very likely to be over a billion dollars. And I want to stress, no matter what option we picked out of these, none of them were low cost. All of them were going to be measured in hundreds of millions of dollars at a minimum. And so um, it appears that the running the pipe to the Missouri is is a strong candidate uh, coming out of the the mayor's water 2.0 committee. Um, It will be I think beyond just Lincoln's capacity to uh, fund, uh, the chamber's already started work without knowing what the recommendation is. We've already started the work of advocating at a federal and state level, indicating that infrastructure is going to be an important need if we want to keep the second largest economy in our state moving forward. And I think all of us do. So there, there's a lot of work ahead. I want to stress the chamber has not taken a position on this yet. We want to evaluate the proposal in full, but we We have valued the opportunity to be at the table, along with many other folks from the business community, uh, as well as representatives from government. Olson Associates led the Water 2.0 study process. We think they've done an amazing job with that. Um, And so it's been a really robust, uh, well-thought-out, fair process. And I just uh, commend the the mayor and her administration for initiating that, because it's, it's difficult for anyone in elective office that's got, you know, two or four or six years in office, depending on what level of government you're at, um, you know, that's a lot shorter timeline than a 25-year issue when it's very unlikely anyone will still be in office or certainly in that same office. Um, and so it's a very forward-thinking approach to take this, and we're just we're thrilled that we have the gift of time to respond to this. All right, let's get out of the water, towel off, <laughs> and talk about uh, the $65 million cargo hub that Burrell Aviation has planned for the Lincoln Airport. Yeah, we are thrilled uh, to welcome Burrell Aviation to Lincoln. Um, and I also want to commend the work of Dave Herring and his team at the, the Lincoln Airport Authority. And so for, for folks that may not have heard, Burrell is a they're an aviation and cargo logistics supplier that is new to air cargo uh, specifically and they are proposing to build what could end up being a 65 million dollar investment 
200,000 square feet, one building, what we call behind the fence at the airport. So if you think of, if you think of the airport and you, and you go look out there, you can't just walk onto the runway. There are very defined, regulated areas of control and a fence around that. And so this would be a facility that's inside the fence, much like parts of, say, the National Guard or the air, air suppliers that are already there. Um, and that makes it a unique project just all by itself. Logistics, uh, air cargo logistics behind the fence. But it's going to allow... Uh, one of their partner companies to, you know, fly a plane in, park it inside the the hangar there, presumably get the cargo off of it, offload it onto trailers and trucks, and then distribute it to wherever it needs to go on our interstate and highway system here. So they are going to be working with partners that might include names like a UPS or a FedEx. That's not known yet. They might be working with partners that could also be um, what we call third-party logistics companies, so companies that just do uh, last-mile delivery, say, or partner up with uh, air cargo suppliers or might be soup-to-nuts air and uh, ground-based cargo suppliers, 3PL companies. So now we have a new product to market here in Lincoln. We've got a group of developers that is out seeking these partners right now. Uh, the chamber was working with the Burrell Group before the announcement. We met them the day of the announcement. We're going to continue working with them. So it's a big win for the community. This is going to open up new development opportunities at the airport, potentially out in Air Park. Um, but if nothing else, it's going to allow the airport um, some more stability from that activity once it starts there um, may allow them to be eligible for additional federal grants or monies. And so we're, we're just real excited for what this means for the airport and for the economy of Lincoln. It's going to be a great project. Now you're all caught up from the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. If you missed it or you want to hear it again, go to KFORnow.com, go to the podcast link, and there you go. Jason, thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Jason Ball from the Chamber with me on Lincoln Live.